Hello and welcome to the Glampshire podcast, where we talk about the experiential outdoor hospitality industry and glamping. I'm your host, Bobby Marsden. Okay, we are off and running in season two. If you've been following Jesse's path, you're getting more familiar with him. Now we're going to switch gears to Etienne in episode three. Now, in the first episode, again, it was a brief introduction to Etienne, uh, the Airbnb contest, uh, why she wants to open up her farm and share it with the world. In episode three, we're going to dive a little bit deeper into who Etienne is. Where did she come from? Why does she want to do this? Why is this so important to her and why should it be important to you? So sit back, relax, and enjoy episode three with Etienne White and Heartsong Farm. Hello, Etienne. Hi, how are you? <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. And I have a lot of more questions for you. I think more about you uh, because I realized uh, there's a lot of things that our viewers don't know about you. And I think there's probably a lot of things I don't know about you. And so before we get into the physical location of where you are and what you're building eventually, you know, for people to come and see and share with you, mm -hmm. I just want to know more about you. I, I, I hear the accent. I heard it the first time we met. Um, and so why don't we start there? Tell us where you're originally from, where you were born, what brought you to the United States, and uh, then take us all the way through to how you ended up uh, at this farm. Gosh, well, that's that's compressing a lot of years, so uh, I'll try as best I can to answer that for you. Um, so yeah, I grew up, I tell everyone I grew up in London, England. I actually spent the first five, six years of my life in um, the countryside, right outside of London. So, you know, running wild and free across fields and rolling down, I can remember rolling down a hill of poppies and just being out in nature, which was great. And then of course, London was a big change, but as a kid, I didn't really, you know, I didn't have an opinion on it. It was just, it was what it was, it's your reality. Um, but I do remember in my twenties being back in London after university working and climbing sometimes to the tallest hill, like I'd climbed to Primrose Hill in North London. I was always searching to see where the land met the sky a kind of uninterrupted version of a horizon line. Um, and you're just down with all of the tall buildings around you and all of the concrete around you every day. And I craved um, being in places where the land met the sky. That didn't mean that I wanted to be in the Midwest of the US farming. That was not necessarily what it meant at that time. Um, but I was busy working in London and I had a job in a great advertising agency and I actually got offered a two year stint in the US in their Minneapolis headquarters. Um, and so I took that and you know, I told my family and my friends, I was like, I'm only doing it for two years. I'll get, get it on my resume, get it on my CV and then I'll be right back. And of course, what happened was I ended up falling in love with the Midwest. Um, certainly love the US in general, but the Midwest specifically has a very different culture to it than the sort of the coastal places. And um, something about that really resonated with me. And I found myself being based in Minneapolis, it was much easier to get out to green spaces on the weekend. There wasn't sort of four hours of traffic and, um, you know, an hour away, you could be canoeing down a river on your weekends. And I really loved that. And then um, through my professional life and my personal life, some things kind of 
came together where I became much more aware of um, environmental sustainability and concerns that we were facing. And so I made a career decision to take the marketing skills that I'd learned from being in advertising and marketing and put them to good in the nonprofit world. And so I made a move to work for a global nonprofit focused around forests and keeping forests as forests. And while I did that, I found myself being invited to stages all around the world to, to give speeches and, and talks and presentations and helping companies. And I realized that I didn't want to talk about sustainability. I didn't want to preach it and pontificate about it without also practicing it in some way. And so that's what led me to buying my first farm. And then I got the farming bug. So as I said, I had a life change where I was, you know, divorcing and in that divorcing, everything opens up. Lots of people getting divorced these days and the, there's lots of downsides. It can be really hard. But the beautiful thing about it is that you get to think to yourself, okay, what's my do over? What, how do I want to live? What is, if I'm not being happy in this way, what does happiness look like? What are the very conscious and mindful choices that I want to make about how I live my life. Sometimes life just kind of happens around us. And the beautiful thing, certainly for me anyway, with this divorce was that it gave me a chance to decide how I wanted to rebuild what I wanted my future to look like. And I knew, I knew, I knew, I knew that farming had to be a part of it. Um, and so, yeah, so I fell in love with this driftless area that I've told you about before. And um, and I started my farm and started raising my children here. Um, and one last thing I would say then to the other sort of consideration, I didn't just have the farming bug, you know, for me when I'm for me when I'm outside, it's like, uh, I don't know if it's like a, it's like a Prozac or <laughs> like an upper or a, the effect of the buzz I get from champagne. I don't really know. I don't need anything else. I just doing what I'm doing, even if it's in the winter, hauling hay out to sheep, you know, breaking frozen water in the, in the water buckets and stuff. There's a calmness, there's a serenity, there's something that comes over me. And I knew too, that I wanted to raise my children in nature. And so I, farming was the selfish thing for me because I knew it would help me and ground me. But I also knew that my wish for my children was for them to grow up connected in nature, to never have to crave seeing that where the land meets the sky or feeling that they were crowded out of it. Um, and really it's strange, but I, I kind of did think of this consciously at the time. Nature is a co-parent for my kids. I'm parenting them solo. Um, it's just me, my family is abroad. Um, and I knew that being able to run wild and free barefoot through the, you know, the fields and playing in the streams was going to be a really important, um, part of their childhood. And in a way it's kind of like mother nature got to co-parent them with me. Um, so yeah, that's, that's my spiel. That's my story. That's awesome. And it sounds obviously you're going to be sharing this experience, you know, with your children. Mm -hmm. And now you have this opportunity to share it with the rest of the world. Yeah. Yeah. I kind of had a hunch that for us, this was the right thing to do. This was a great way to live, being immersed in nature, you know, foraging, living with the seasons. And then the more that I'm doing in my professional work where I'm looking at, you know, statistics around loneliness, disconnection, mental health issues. And then obviously we're seeing we're living in the climate crisis now, you know, it's not some far off thing that's going to affect future generations. It's here and now, and it's affecting all of us. And I'm realizing that other people can really benefit from being immersed in nature, 
being closer to where their food comes from, finding out about local farmers, other artisans that are working um, to provide great food, great experiences and a great sort of culture. Um, and so it's exciting to me, super exciting that Airbnb is allowing me to now explore and offer that to others. That's awesome. Well, I think in the next episode, we're definitely going to want to dive into that whole Airbnb thing, because to me, you know, a contest being held by an organization so big, I just want to know more about why they did it and and what it's all about. How much money did you get? What are they expecting of you? There's so many questions. So we'll dive into that in the next episode. All right. Thank you. All right. Thanks at the end. Bye bye. Bye. Okay, so we know a little bit more about Etienne. We know she's from England. That's a big thing. We know why she's doing this. That's another big thing. Now it's time to talk about the what. And one of the first big things I want to know is what is going on with this Airbnb contest? What is that all about? So we're going to dive into all that in the next episode. To follow along with Etienne and Jesse, you can do so on www.glampshuary.com where you can access the podcast both in video and audio form. And if you'd like to follow along on other podcast platforms, you can do so on Apple, on Stitcher, and on Pandora. We're on a bunch of platforms, so we don't care how you follow. We just ask that you follow. So until next episode, safe travels. Thanks for joining